Section 6 of The Story of My Life, Part 2, Letters, 1887-1901, to by Helen Keller and John Albert Macy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Story of My Life, Part 2, Letters. Section 6, Letters 35 through 43. This letter was written to some gentleman in Gardner, Maine, who named a lumber vessel after her. Letter 35 to Messrs. Bradstreet, Tuscumbia, Alabama, July 14th, 1890. My dear kind friends, I thank you very, very much for naming your beautiful new ship for me. It makes me very happy to know that I have kind and loving friends in the faraway state of Maine. I did not imagine when I studied about the forests of Maine that a strong and beautiful ship would go sailing all over the world, carrying wood from those rich forests to build pleasant homes and schools and churches in distant countries. I hope the great ocean will love the new Helen and let her sail over its blue waves peacefully. Please tell the brave sailors who have charge of the Helen Keller that little Helen who stays at home will often think of them with loving thoughts. I hope I shall see you and my beautiful namesake sometime. With much love from your little friend, Helen A. Keller. To the Messrs. Bradstreet Helen and Miss Sullivan returned to the Perkins Institution early in November. Letter 36 to Mrs. Kate Adams Keller, South Boston, November 10, 1890. My dearest mother, my heart has been full of thoughts of you and my beautiful home ever since we parted so sadly on Wednesday night. How I wish I could see you this lovely morning and tell you all that has happened since I left home. And my darling little sister, how I wish I could give her a hundred kisses. And my dear father, how he would like to hear about our journey. But I cannot see you and talk to you, so I will write and tell you all that I can think of. We did not reach Boston until Saturday morning. I am sorry to say that our train was delayed in several places, which made us late in reaching New York. When we got to Jersey City at six o'clock Friday evening, we were obliged to cross the Harlem River in a ferry boat. We found the boat and the transfer carriage with much less difficulty than teacher expected. When we arrived at the station, they told us that the train did not leave for Boston until eleven o'clock, but that we could take the sleeper at nine, which we did. We went to bed and slept until morning. When we awoke, we were in Boston. I was delighted to get there, though I was much disappointed because we did not arrive on Mr. Anagnos's birthday. We surprised our dear friends, however, for they did not expect us Saturday. But when the bell rung, Miss Merritt guessed who was at the door, and Mrs. Hopkins jumped up from the breakfast table and ran to the door to meet us. She was indeed much astonished to see us. After we had had some breakfast, we went up to see Mr. Anagnos. I was overjoyed to see my dearest and kindest friend once more. He gave me a beautiful watch. I have it pinned to my dress. 
I tell everybody the time when they ask me. I have only seen Mr. Anagnos twice. I have many questions to ask him about the countries he has been traveling in, but I suppose he is very busy now. The hills in Virginia were very lovely. Jack Frost had dressed them in gold and crimson. The view was most charmingly picturesque. Pennsylvania is a very beautiful state. The grass was as green as though it was springtime, and the golden ears of corn gathered together in heaps in the great fields looked very pretty. In Harrisburg we saw a donkey like Nettie. How I wish I could see my own donkey and my dear lioness. Do they miss their mistress very much? Tell Mildred she must be kind to them for my sake. Our room is pleasant and comfortable. My typewriter was much injured coming. The case was broken, and the keys are nearly all out. Teacher is going to see if it can be fixed. There are many new books in the library. What a nice time I shall have reading them. I have already read Sarah Crewe. It is a very pretty story, and I will tell it to you some time. Now, sweet mother, your little girl must say goodbye. With much love to Father, Mildred, you and all the dear friends, lovingly your little daughter, Helen A. Keller. Letter 37 to John Greenleaf Whittier, South Boston, December 17, 1890. Dear kind poet, this is your birthday. That was the first thought which came into my mind when I awoke this morning, and it made me glad to think I could write you a letter and tell you how much your little friends love their sweet poet and his birthday. This evening they are going to entertain their friends with readings from your poems and music. I hope the swift-winged messengers of love will be here to carry some of the sweet melody to you in your little study by the Merrimack. At first I was very sorry when I found that the sun had hidden his shining face behind dull clouds, but afterwards I thought why he did it, and then I was happy. The sun knows that you like to see the world covered with beautiful white snow, and so he kept back all his brightness, and let the little crystals form in the sky. When they are ready, they will softly fall and tenderly cover every object." Then the sun will appear in all his radiance and fill the world with light. If I were with you today, I would give you eighty-three kisses, one for each year you have lived. Eighty-three years seems very long to me. Does it seem long to you? I wonder how many years there will be in eternity. I am afraid I cannot think about so much time. I received the letter which you wrote to me last summer, and I thank you for it. I am staying in Boston now at the Institution for the Blind, but I have not commenced my studies yet, because my dearest friend, Mr. Anagnos, wants me to rest and play a great deal. Teacher is well and sends her kind remembrance to you. The happy Christmas time is almost here. I can hardly wait for the fun to begin. I hope your Christmas Day will be a very happy one, and that the new year will be full of brightness and joy for you and everyone. From your little friend, Helen A. Keller. Letter 38. Whittier's Reply. My dear young friend, I was very glad to have such a pleasant letter on my birthday. I had two or three hundred others, and thine was one of the most welcome of all. 
I must tell thee about how the day passed at Oak Knoll. Of course the sun did not shine, but we had great open wood fires in the rooms, which were all very sweet with roses and other flowers, which were sent to me from distant friends, and fruits of all kind from California and other places. Some relatives and dear old friends were with me through the day. I do not wonder thee thinks eighty-three years a long time, but to me it seems but a very little while since I was a boy no older than thee playing on the old farm at Haverhill. I thank thee for all thy good wishes and wish thee as many. I am glad thee is at the institution. It is an excellent place. Give my best regards to Miss Sullivan, and with a great deal of love I am thy old friend, John G. Whittier. Tommy Stringer, who appears in several of the following letters, became blind and deaf when he was four years old. His mother was dead, and his father was too poor to take care of him. For a while he was kept in the general hospital at Allegheny. From here he was to be sent to an almshouse, for at that time there was no other place for him in Pennsylvania. Helen heard of him through Mr. J. G. Brown of Pittsburgh, who wrote her that he had failed to secure a tutor for Tommy. She wanted him brought to Boston, and when she was told that money would be needed to get him a teacher, she answered, We will raise it. She began to solicit contributions from her friends and saved her pennies. Dr. Alexander Graham Bell advised Tommy's friends to send him to Boston, and the trustees of the Perkins Institution agreed to admit him to the kindergarten for the blind. Meanwhile, opportunity came to Helen to make a considerable contribution to Tommy's education. The winter before, her dog Lioness had been killed, and friends set to work to raise money to buy Helen another dog. Helen asked that the contributions, which people were sending from all over America and England, be devoted to Tommy's education. Turned to this new use, the fund grew fast, and Tommy was provided for. He was admitted to the kindergarten on the 6th of April. Miss Keller wrote lately, I shall never forget the pennies sent by many a poor child who could ill spare them for little Tommy, or the swift sympathy with which people from far and near whom I had never seen responded to the dumb cry of a little captive soul for aid. Letter 39 to Mr. George R. Krell Institution for the Blind, South Boston, Massachusetts, March 20th, 1891. My dear friend, Mr. Krell, I have just heard through Mr. Wade of your kind offer to buy me a gentle dog, and I want to thank you for the kind thought. It makes me very happy indeed to know that I have such dear friends in other lands. It makes me think that all people are good and loving. I have read that the English and Americans are cousins, but I am sure it would be much truer to say that we are brothers and sisters. My friends have told me about your great and magnificent city, and I have read a great deal that wise Englishmen have written. I have begun to read Enoch Arden, and I know several of the great poet's poems by heart. 
I am eager to cross the ocean, for I want to see my English friends and their good and wise queen. Once the Earl of Meath came to see me, and he told me that the queen was much beloved by her people because of her gentleness and wisdom. Some day you will be surprised to see a little strange girl coming into your office. But when you know it is the little girl who loves dogs and all other animals, you will laugh, and I hope you will give her a kiss, just as Mr. Wade does. He has another dog for me, and he thinks she will be as brave and faithful as my beautiful lioness. And now I want to tell you what the dog lovers in America are going to do. They are going to send me some money for a poor little deaf and dumb and blind child. His name is Tommy, and he is five years old. His parents are too poor to pay to have the little fellow sent to school, so instead of giving me a dog, the gentlemen are going to help make Tommy's life as bright and joyous as mine. Is it not a beautiful plan? Education will bring light and music into Tommy's soul, and then he cannot help being happy. From your loving little friend, Helen A. Keller. Letter 40 to Dr. Oliver Wendell Holmes, South Boston, Massachusetts, April 1891. Dear Dr. Holmes, your beautiful words about spring have been making music in my heart these bright April days. I love every word of spring, and spring has come. I think you will be glad to hear that these poems have taught me to enjoy and love the beautiful springtime, even though I cannot see the fair, frail blossoms which proclaim its approach, or hear the joyous warbling of the homecoming birds. But when I read Spring Has Come, lo, I am not blind any longer, for I see with your eyes and hear with your ears. Sweet Mother Nature can have no secrets from me when my poet is near. I have chosen this paper because I want the spray of violets in the corner to tell you of my grateful love. I want you to see baby Tom, the little blind and deaf and dumb child who has just come to our pretty garden. He is poor and helpless and lonely now, but before another April, education will have brought light and gladness into Tommy's life. If you do come, you will want to ask the kind people of Boston to help brighten Tommy's whole life. Your loving friend, Helen Keller. Letter 41 to Sir John Everett Millay, Perkins Institution for the Blind, South Boston, Massachusetts, April 30th, 1891. My dear Mr. Millay, your little American sister is going to write you a letter because she wants you to know how pleased she was to hear you were interested in our poor little Tommy and had sent some money to help educate him. It is very beautiful to think that people far away in England feel sorry for a little helpless child in America. I used to think, when I read in my books about your great city, that when I visited it the people would be strangers to me, but now I feel differently. It seems to me that all people who have loving, pitying hearts are not strangers to each other. I can hardly wait patiently for the time to come when I shall see my dear English friends and their beautiful island home. My favorite poet has written some lines about England which I love very much. I think you will like them too, so I will try to write them for you. Hugged in the clinging billow's clasp, from seaweed fringe to mountain heather, the British oak with rooted grasp, her slender handful holds together, 
with cliffs of white and bowers of green, and ocean narrowing to caress her, and hills and threaded streams between, our little mother isle, God bless her. You will be glad to hear that Tommy has a kind lady to teach him, and that he is a pretty active little fellow. He loves to climb much better than to spell, but that is because he does not know yet what a wonderful thing language is. He cannot imagine how very, very happy he will be when he can tell us his thoughts, and we can tell him how we have loved him so long. Tomorrow April will hide her tears and blushes beneath the flowers of lovely May. I wonder if the May days in England are as beautiful as they are here. Now I must say goodbye. Please think of me always as your loving little sister, Helen Keller. Letter 42 to Reverend Phillips Brooks, South Boston, May 1st, 1891. My dear Mr. Brooks, Helen sends you a loving greeting this bright May day. My teacher has just told me that you have been made a bishop, and that your friends everywhere are rejoicing because one whom they love has been greatly honored. I do not understand very well what a bishop's work is, but I am sure it must be good and helpful, and I am glad that my dear friend is brave and wise and loving enough to do it. It is very beautiful to think that you can tell so many people of the Heavenly Father's tender love for all his children, even when they are not gentle and noble as he wishes them to be. I hope the glad news which you will tell them will make their hearts beat fast with joy and love. I hope, too, that Bishop Brooks's whole life will be as rich in happiness as the month of May is full of blossoms and singing birds. From your loving little friend, Helen Keller. Before a teacher was found for Tommy, and while he was still in the care of Helen and Miss Sullivan, a reception was held for him at the kindergarten. At Helen's request, Bishop Brooks made an address. Helen wrote letters to the newspapers which brought many generous replies. All of these she answered herself, and she made public acknowledgment in letters to the newspapers. This letter is to the editor of the Boston Herald, enclosing a complete list of the subscribers. The contributions amounted to more than sixteen hundred dollars. Letter 43 to Mr. John H. Holmes, South Boston, May 13, 1891. Editor of the Boston Herald. My dear Mr. Holmes, will you kindly print in the Herald the enclosed list? I think the readers of your paper will be glad to know that so much has been done for dear little Tommy, and that they will all wish to share in the pleasure of helping him. He is very happy indeed at the kindergarten, and is learning something every day. He has found out that doors have locks, and that little sticks and bits of paper can be got into the keyhole quite easily, but he does not seem very eager to get them out after they are in. He loves to climb the bedposts and unscrew the steam valves much better than to spell, but that is because he does not understand that words would help him to make new and interesting discoveries. I hope that good people will continue to work for Tommy until his fund is completed and education has brought light and music into his little life. From your little friend, Helen Keller. End of section 6